Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hey everyone, it's Perry here. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. So introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new car or a used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So you had something to say, though. You had something to talk about with Rule of Two, a Star Wars topic. 
Um, I don't know if I have a topic as much as I have. I'm looking for 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 uh, for mining possibilities. Mining possibilities, like the like the like Bespin mines, or yeah, or like, like 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 where do we mine Star Wars topics that are fun to talk about to keep um, us engaged? You know what? Like 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 that's the thing I'm most worried about. Yeah, you know? like where do you mine them? I, I go to the internet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, and if, Twitter. We can go to Twitter and we can go to the internet. Well, Twitter, I don't know. Twitter, Twitter, it, it's like Twitter is for like promoting uh, puppy pictures, pictures with celebrities, talking mm-hmm. about your sports team and get out. I mean, like, yeah, talk about talk about the lower levels of Coruscant. I mean, you'll never find a more wretched hive <laughs> of scum and villainy. Yeah. I mean, talk about, uh, you know, uh, what is it that Anakin says? Um you know, I hate sand. No, no. Keep to your drinks. This is Jedi business. Oh, yeah. right. He says something like that. You know, like what does he say? Like mind your drinks. My, the Jedi business here. Jedi business. You're talking about oh, Attack yeah, of the yeah, Clones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He says uh, he's a Jedi business. Go back to your drinks. Go back to your drinks. <laughs> something like that. So you're talking about where are we going to mine topics, information, things that we're going to talk about on the future of Rule of Two. Yeah, so look, that's basically going to be an ongoing thing. We're not going to solve it right now, but hopefully we'll get into a fun topic on today's show. I think we have a fun topic, and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Rule of Two. This is a Star Wars podcast. This is Jedi Council, the podcast feed hosted by Podcast One and the fully sanctioned Jedi Council Rule of Two. That's the title. That's what we're going with. I'm your host, Mark Yodi Riley, joined now by always Mark Fernandez. How are you? Uh, sorry, wait. Mark Sidious. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. I had a good. I uh, had a good uh, weekend with a lot of video games. Nice. Did a lot of video games. Yeah. Um, I, I watched Mission Impossible. Some Mission Impossible I've, I've, Fallout. I've heard that's great. It's Every, really good. Is it really good? It's really good. Yeah. Like really good. It's it's my. I think it's my favorite in the franchise. Rogue Nation is close. I I, I want to watch them again. Yeah. Ghost, the, the past three Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, it, and now Fallout are are. Exceptional action. Movies. Is it better than Top Gun Three, aka Made in America? <laughs> yes, it was. It was better than that. I, 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 I like Made in America, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was better. Okay, good. Yeah. So look, I'm going to check that out. Okay, good. So uh, thank you, everyone listening out there. Sorry for that little Tom Cruise break. Uh, we know this is a Star Wars podcast, but uh, you guys, thank you, thank you for all of your uh, nice thoughts, your tweets. Your suggestions, your everything. It was very nice to hear, nice to see. We're off and running. It's rule of two, and Fernandez, here we go. It's Star Wars time. We did the first episode, and then guess what? Episode nine cast was announced. Yeah. It's crazy, right? I mean, did you see the episode nine cast list, Mark Fernandez? I I did see the nine cast list, Mm -hmm. and I got to say, I didn't see a lot of surprises there. Me neither. But um, except for one, I would say. Yeah, which one? Carrie Fisher. Okay. I didn't know how they were going to do it, and I'm pleasantly surprised that they're going to 
keep her character alive and yeah. just use old footage. Now, I think they'll probably turn it into holograms and use that footage of her. Yeah. And then maybe – I don't know how you're going to get more dialogue and different dialogue. <sighs> but that's – that's we will yeah. go there later. That was okay. my only surprise. Finish okay. your first, thought. It's, it's, a great, it's a great discussion topic mm-hmm. and one that we might jump into because my – you know, I – is it loud? No, it's fine. Okay. No, no. Yeah, you you're <laughs> you witnessed me making sure. I did a Riley roundtable where I recorded for 30 minutes and wasn't recording. Right. So I now have a very right. big fear right. of making so, sure it's so, going. So look, let's – okay. It's safe to say that this episode is gonna is gonna surround episode nine, the casting and all that stuff. But let's yeah. dig in. Let's dig in for a minute. We're okay? gonna dig that's in. That's what we do. That's what yeah. we do, right? Let's yeah. let's take out the lightsabers and let's ignite them and let's rattle them and let's chat a little bit about something that like let's look. Do it. And I'm I want to be careful because I don't want to sound insensitive because obviously the the passing of Carrie Fisher was somebody that I think uh, was something that I think affected everybody in a very very deep way. Oh yeah, you know, um, especially for me, for you, and I don't want to speak about your feelings, but for me, you know, I grew up with Carrie Fisher. She was this like archetype of the strong woman, right? Of like right. she was like the first time, you know, for me when I grew up, I think the first woman that I related to on the screen was probably Barbara Eden. In the I Dream of Genie show, yeah, Dream of Genie, you know, which is a very cool show, but you know, she wasn't really a strong woman, right? She was subservient to this like NASA Mm -hmm. uh, major, you know, and she wasn't really the epitome of a like of a strong woman by any stretch, right? Right. But then Carrie Fisher comes around, and she's this feisty princess, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, you know, kind of rebellious, knows how to use a phaser. Um, or a, a laser gun. I don't want to get my Star Wars. You know, my, my <laughs> did you just uh, drop a Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just dropped a Star Trek. <laughs> you but, are going to. Everybody's going to yell at you on Twitter now. But yeah, that's so okay. look, so look, I don't need to give too much more of a preamble. Carrie Fisher is somebody that we all have a lot of deep love and respect for. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. let's 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 take the 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 person out of it and let's just focus on the character. Yeah. Okay. Now the character of Princess Leia. In the sequels, to me, is very very weak. Okay. Yeah. Okay. To I can. Uh, I, I'll. Yeah. I'll rebuttal in a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. So but I. 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 I can see it. Yeah. yeah. So, I so, hate so, saying that, but I can see it. So to me, it's it's very weak, and and I actually think that they had a moment um, to really give her some 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 texture when um, you know Princess Leia tells Han, um, "Did you see him?" Mm-hmm. Or or Han tells her I saw him and and their discussion about like about Kylo was very brief. It's like a sentence, you yeah. know. It was you don't have the, uh, to blame. It was all Snoke who did that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it was like this kind of like tossed in exposition that sounds to me like it needs a whole novel or it needs like a, it needs a lot of explanation to like say how did Carrie Fisher um, deal. With even from a political perspective, mm. like how does she deal with the fact that her grand, her her father and her son, 
are like you know arch enemies of their way of life. Right. You know, like you don't really see a lot of consequences of that stuff. And I know that there's a book called Bloodline, and it's about I know. The fire. I could. I was just about to say because I'm like the canon junkies are going to say, well, I get it. I get and it. And I get it too. And to back up your point, I don't want to have to go read a book. Right. This is where I differ on like maybe Harloff and. And Ken Napsok and a lot of those guys that love the books. And there, believe me, there are books I love in the Star Wars canon. Sure. But I want to see it on I, – I, I'm a – first and foremost, I'm the movies. Mm. That, that, that was my childhood. So I'm kind of reacting to what you're saying. Absolutely. And hating that I'm agreeing with it because we didn't get any – we didn't get a lot of the pol- politics in Force Awakens. Um, yeah, it's all- To your point of like how, how did it affect – like this First Order is – Essentially, like a terrorist organization, yeah, or, or like how did it affect Leia's character, right? So there's two huge events that happened that we are supposed to assume happened, yeah, um, but we don't really have any consequences of. And number one, it's Leia becoming a political leader and actually a political figurehead, and having to answer for the fact that her father and her son are both arch enemies of of their way of life. Number mm-hmm. one, and number two, her realization. That she's a Jedi or that she's Force-sensitive or that she has Force powers. Right. Like you see her flying around in space doing the Mary Poppins and you see her like doing what she did in, in The Last Jedi. But like she didn't earn that. Like we didn't we, – we haven't seen her journey. I mean talk about being upset that um, you know uh, Ray only had three minutes of training with Luke and all of a sudden she's the biggest, strongest Jedi in the world. Let's, let's not forget Anakin had 10 years. Mm-hmm. There was 10 years of training that is very clearly articulated in exposition in the films that Anakin went through 10 years of training. You're talking about Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones. Yes. Yeah, yeah those 10 years, right? Because like, of that elevator scene with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Right. You kind of get their relationship. Remember when you fell into that pit of uh, Gundarks? Right. It was like, oh, I would have taken care of that. You have patience, yeah. young Padawan. Right, right. It was you who fell into that pit, my, my master. Yeah. I rescued you from that nightmare. Right, right. <laughs> you kind of understand, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you get the exposition that there was actually a lot of time spent in learning the way of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. With with Rey, she gets you know a day worth of training. But with Leia, you don't even know how much training she got. Was she part of the school? Was she this? What's her relationship to the Force? Like... Like I think there's something there's an offshoot in canon where she in the books that she didn't want to go train, that she literally wanted to continue in politics and the rebellion, not the rebellion, but rebuilding the the republic, so to speak. I believe that's why. Right. But again, that's not in the movie. I can see that's your point, and I'm going to be devil's advocate and try to take my fandom out of it. Of course, um, because it isn't in the movie, and her part is very small. And it broke my heart when she passed, just like you. Yeah, um, it was terrible. And and but you can look at the movies, and there there, you know, some things were maybe kind of I don't know what the word on implied. You know what I mean? It's like you know, in Return of the Jedi, Leia is told by Luke that you no, know, we're brother sister. Somehow, I I've always known. Right. So you have a little hint. That's the only time she has a hint right, right. there, and at the end the. I hope Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew. He wasn't. I can felt. It. You know, I could feel him. Right there, there she tuned into the Force. Right, at right. least th- it was we're the led to believe that. Right, it was an opening to a much larger world. Right. right. So I can head canon this and go from 
Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, something did happen with Luke. And I think there's comics that, that might be coming out. I, I'm not sure yet. I've heard – is it uh, – I believe it's in From a Certain Point of View. There's There might be a story. Again, you canon junkies out there listening to this, hit us up. We, we are not the canon junkies. If you want a canon show right. where all of this goes in, you know, watch <laughs> right. Jedi Council. Watch yeah. – go listen to Force Center with Ken Napsack. You know, the, for, for us, we're talking about fans and being movies, and I love this idea, you throwing this out there. The fact that we it's a brush it's a broad stroke. Yeah, so like right now all we have for Leia, right? And it's like when I was at film school, I think one of the coolest things I ever learned at film school was that if you really want to make a movie, um, and it's actually a screenwriting trick. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna be a good screenwriter, you have to think about every scene that you construct needs to work with the volume off. You need mm. to be able to turn off the volume mm-hmm. and still know exactly what's going on in the scene. It's a great screenwriting advice. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like you, can't, you can't allow for anything auditory to, to really push everything forward. It helps, but if you can't set up the scene mm-hmm. so that with the volume off, you know that this person's angry at that person and why they're angry, you don't got anything. Right. right? Now, this is my problem with The Force Awakens and with Last Jedi when it comes to Princess Leia is that Princess Leia, in both of those movies, I know she's Princess Leia only because of episodes four, five, and six. Right. There's nothing that really happens in episode seven or episode eight that really tells me anything new about her, other than the fact that she learned how to become like vulnerable to like the vacuum of space and that she's able to like teleport herself across space and that she's she, in the Force. Yeah, and that she tolerates really strong Stupid decisions from Poe Dameron. Like, <laughs> other than those two things, I haven't learned anything about her. So to me, I like the idea that episode nine is very Carrie Fisher-centric. Or, or actually, let me correct that. It, it might not be Carrie Fisher-centric because none of the other ones have been. But that she's involved in it somehow. Well, they were – you know, the the, um, the the narrative that we were going forward with was Force Awakens was Han Solo's movie. Last Jedi was Luke's movie, and then Episode Nine was supposed to be Leia's movie, and we know what happened. Okay, so to me, Episode One was Finn's movie, Episode Two was Poe Dameron's movie, mm. and Episode Three, um, God, I hope it's I hope it's Ray's, Ray's or Kylo's or you know like. So you're taking in the sequel trilogy, not Episode One or Two or Three, but like the part one, the one. Part one of the movie is Finn's movie. Force Awakens is Finn's movie. Yeah, which I thought was a great storyline, to be honest with you. I, I Look, I'm not a huge fan of the sequels. I do like The Force Awakens. I think The Force Awakens is a cool movie. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some amazing scenes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Kylo Ren in it until he takes off the mask. But I really, really enjoy uh, John Boyega's portrayal of Finn in that movie. Yeah. I thought he was excellent in it. I, mean, I thought he didn't have a lot to do in episode eight. Like he, he was – He was so underutilizing that. And, the game and I'm not talking about Cano Bite. I'm just talking about a very similar arc to Force Awakens. Where's Rey? How can I help her? And how can I get the, you know, the hell out of Dodge, right? Right, right. And he doesn't even get to do that. Like, no. Like all he does is like try to sabotage – 
the sensor system on the big ship so that they can track the fleet. And he fails miserably at that. <laughs> so it's like the entire movie. It's like he's he's a he's he's completely wasted. But anyway, that's a that's a that's another a, podcast for another time. Yeah, it's a separate thing. But mm-hmm. just, just going back to Leia. So I'm glad that Carrie Fisher will be in it. Okay, and I'm one of the few people I loved uh, what they did with Tarkin in Rogue One. Right. You know, and I'll talk about that in, you know maybe later. But what are they going to do with Carrie Fisher? Like. They've recorded all this stuff, I guess, from Episode 7 that they didn't get to use. So they'll use that in Episode 9. How is that going to work into the story? I don't really know. Yeah. L- listen to this from the official press release from StarWars.com. Maybe we can break this down a yeah. little bit because I-, I think I know where you're going with this. The role of Leia Organa will once again be played by Carrie Fisher using previously unreleased footage shot for Star Wars The Force Awakens. Quote, we desperately love Carrie Fisher, says Abrams. Finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga without her eluded us. We were never going to recast or use a CG character. With the support and blessing from her daughter, Billy, we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as Leia in Episode Nine by using unseen footage we shot together in Episode Seven. Let me just go out immediately with what I'm, what I'm thinking. Yeah. She's going to have a very small insignificant role and that let's just look at it on paper that would be consistent with the other two movies right i don't think we're going to get a lot more from her and that's why i think it's going to be holograms taking her performance physical performance being able to change that into a hologram and she's not going to have a lot to do because we're talking about cut scenes from force awakens how many three right one two right right and different angles context, and the context the context how can you unless you're going to now recast the voice but unless the context is about what i think is the biggest plot hole in force awakens which is about her relationship to kylo how is it a plot hole um that you don't you don't really see how much she fought to keep him mm. you know you don't really see um what losing him like the struggle that she had to go through to losing him, the resistance that she gave to losing him. I mean, you don't see much resistance from Luke either, right? Like Luke has a has a a, a paranoid delusion that he's going bad, so he tries to go kill him, mm. and then he changes his mind or whatever. But you don't really see the conversation. Like if somebody does something stupid in the office, step number one is you have a conversation with them, <laughs> right? You know, like yeah. If you just fire them, then you're seen as being rash and irrational and, and, and reactive. You're not seen as being very thoughtful. If you're a Jedi Master and one of your prized pupils is being tempted by the dark side, this is par for the course. Every single pupil in the history of the Jedi goes through the test of the dark side. Mm-hmm. right? Especially Luke, a Skywalker. Especially a Skywalker. So it's like why not give poor Kylo the same uh, benefit? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Solo or whatever, the same benefit that you got, the same benefit that Anakin got, the same benefit that Obi-Wan probably got. We we all know Dooku got it and he fell to the dark side. So that conflict between the light and the dark is par for the course of gaining all these powers. Right. And I don't feel like Luke gave Ben enough uh, of a chance. Or at least if he did, you don't see it. It's not explained in the film, so you can't point to it. But anyway, let me just go back to that JJ quote because he says something that I think is extremely important in that quote. Okay. And to me, in that quote, he says the same thing that we talked about when we guessed uh, when, when, when we filled in for Jedi Council that 
you cannot continue the Skywalker saga. Mm. The Skywalker saga. And I'll say this again. If you're a numbered film right now, mm-hmm. you're part of the Skywalker saga. That's the only saga we know. It's the Skywalker saga. It's the right? Skywalker saga. So episode nine, and hopefully that is a tell by J.J., which is what I'm hoping for, mm-hmm. which is that he remembers the path. Mm-hmm. And the path is that this episodes one through nine should be the story of the Skywalker saga. So I like that a lot because I like the idea of there being some resolution to the Skywalker saga. And right now, who do we have? We have Luke, we have Leia, we have Ben Solo. Mm-hmm. Okay, Those are the three that we know are part of the Skywalker bloodline. Right. Now, we could get Rey being a Skywalker. Which I would like. To be honest, I would. I'm one of the few people out there. I know everybody's like. I think it's too. I think it's too on the nose. You think it's too much? By now, it, if episode if anything, eight, episode eight would have been the time to do it. Episode eight, I would even argue episode seven. Right, right. End of the movie, it's revealed, because I thought at first it was Han and Leia's daughter, you know, and that we were going off of the twins me too, from me the too. from the Legends material. Me too. Me Luke too. and Jason, or yeah. uh, sorry, Jason and John is Solo. Which I believe was, uh, the rumors I've heard, I believe that that was in the George Lucas, Michael Arndt script. Might be, yeah. And I know that there was a casting that was put out for twins. And, right. uh, you know, way back in the day when we were doing com, we covered that. But that's beside the point now. Um, there's a lot to unpack with what you were saying because I do have rebuttals on, like, some of the, the use of Leia – um, Luke, obviously, you know, and, you know, the Rashomon effect of the telling of what happened with Luke trying to kill his nephew. Mm-hmm. There's three different interpretations, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that's what I love so brilliant because I don't think there's one answer that truly encapsulates what happened. And that's the whole point of the Rashomon effect, correct? Right, right? Sure, sure. It's like from Luke's point of view, from Ben's point of view, and maybe. Another point of view where it comes out again from from Luke, and then Yoda comments on failure is is the we, we master's teaching. We only get it teaching. in the movie. We only get it from two points of views, right? We get Luke's and Ben's. We get Luke's and Ben's, and then a kind of a rehash of it through Luke when it kind of comes out. Yeah, a third, where it's like you like after she get like first it's Luke telling it right, then when she force skypes, she hears it from Ben and she attacks Luke. You killed him. You tried to kill him. Right, and then he says, "No, I, you know, it passed like a fleeting, like a shadow." Right, 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 right. And I personally love it so much; it's my favorite part from that because Luke. This is the weakest moment for Luke, but the whole history of his bloodline, his family, the fact that his father got with Darth Sidious and brought a universe down was in his hand and a lightsaber, and it was all right there with his nephew, and is it going to happen again? Here I am. And Luke Skywalker, again, was tempted by the dark side of the Force as a master. And he sure, he had that lightsaber right, there. But, 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 but fair enough. I'm sorry to interrupt. But no, 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 because th- this, is a, this is a big, yeah, this is a big divisive problem. thing out yeah. there in the Star Wars world, yeah. and I get it. But even what you're saying is true. Luke is making a selfish action. Oh, sure he is. And being selfish is 
not the not, Jedi way. Not the Jedi way. The Jedi are selfless. They think outside of themselves. He totally failed and there. And the Jedi don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got to we got to do a whole episode of just voices. <laughs> right. But like um it's a selfish thing. It's like if you started feeling this anger, this darkness coming out. And first of all, it's completely um anachronistic to the exposition that you get in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. In The Force Awakens, they say it was Snoke who took him. Right. Okay? In The Last Jedi, there's no exposition that tells you Snoke has been involved in tempting him. Well, Luke had felt his mind and knew that Snoke had penetrated and got him. But how? Like who's Snoke? How did he get involved? Yeah, we don't know that. That's a plot hole. That's That right now... Is we're two movies into a trilogy and we have no idea how Snoke fits into this. Yeah, we have no idea how the dark side tempted mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker's nephew. Here, here we have Leia telling Han, Snoke, it was Snoke. He got to him, yada, yada, yada. And then in Jedi, Last Jedi, we have Luke saying Snoke had already penetrated and got him and he's fallen to the dark side. I could see that and I could feel that, that whatever. But then you can argue, and this is why I kind of like certain things being left unsaid you could argue that it wasn't snoke if that snoke was there and penetrated his mind and that if maybe luke would have not tried to kill him or at the very least stood over his bed with a lightsaber you could argue that that was the moment he finally kylo Ren finally true the dark fell to the dark side because he saw his master the legend that is luke skywalker standing over him apparently ready to kill him Sure, but that's like, the straw that broke the camel's back for that character. But, for but, me, at least. Look, another huge lesson in screenwriting is that every single scene that you write has to have one mandatory element in it, mm. and it's a choice. Right. All good scenes have choices. Characters are forced to make choices. Mm-hmm. Now, in Star Wars, that choice is always about the light and the dark. Right. Even in Episode. Um, like, like even in episode one, I believe that there's, you know, hints of that. I'm sorry, not episode one, uh, uh, um, Star Wars, episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if I asked you what was Luke Skywalker's conflict, you can... you can In episode four. Or, or just in, as a character, right? Mm-hmm. Before, he, before he fulfilled the prophecy and all those things. Mm-hmm. Like, his conflict was, you know, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Yeah. That that was his temptation. Yeah, that was it's very clear. Yeah, he had a choice to uh, help his friends and keep the Rebel Alliance and and follow the teachings of Yoda and Obi Wan, or go with his father and rule the galaxy as father and son. Like even like I know it's like kind of oversimplifying it, but you have a but choice there. You have a clear cut choice. There was also a choice of saving his friends and not being ready with his training with Obi Wan and Yoda saying you're not ready, don't right. go. Right. And to to go back to the new a new hope. He, his choice was to you know, go on some great adventure with Obi-Wan, at least before Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, yeah. or stay behind, do the moisture farming, do the you – know, work for the family and be loyal to your family. Right. Because he wanted to go to the academy, and he said, no, you're just not ready. Uncle Owen says this. So there was that choice as well. Right, right. But with, with Kylo, um, you don't really see the struggle between the light and the dark. Like you see his admiration for his grandfather, mm-hmm. and you see his incredible like uh, temptation for Snoke's power, mm-hmm. but like you don't really get a sense that he 
cares. He cares maybe more about the Darth Vader thing than he does about the Snoke thing. Are you talking about just Force Awakens? I'm talking about, uh, yes, Force Awakens and Last Jedi kind of put together. Last Jedi, you got more of his struggle, for me at least. He couldn't pull that trigger to kill his mother. And he had just, not 20 minutes earlier, killed his father. Right. He's, he hesitates. Yes, which is a good scene. I like that scene. I love that scene. Yeah, it's a good scene. Um, I would argue at least though, but we, we, are, we forget sometimes that Vader, we knew that he became ultimately was Anakin Skywalker. And we're like, oh, oh my god. That's actually – that's a big twist. Right. But we also now have the ability to realize that we had three other movies that worked on Anakin. So the, that the character of Darth Vader has a little bit more – Oomph to it. Right, right, right. You you see his choice. Like you his see choice his choice. It's very simple. Like, do I choose the way of the Jedi or do I choose this weird, convoluted, self-paranoid, jealous delusion that I have over Padme? Right. Like, do I care more about making sure that I do everything to protect Padme or do I just, like, trust that she's going to be okay? Like, that was ultimately his thing, right? Like, out of attention and, like, Yoda tells him in that great scene of Revenge of the Sith – like attachment leads to jealousy, it leads to this, and it leads to hate, it leads to anger, and anger is the path to the dark side. I, yeah. I just realized something. It, it, the Skywalkers have a bad attachment problem. Yes, that's yes. that's just really what it is. Right. So that's a that's a character trait, right? Yes. So that if you have something like the Skywalker saga, then it's really about talking about those character traits and how they're trying to exercise those character traits. Or, or, or like sort of free them up or, or, or whatever. And maybe Luke Skywalker – and like now we're giving them a pass a little bit. But maybe Ryan Johnson saying, oh, Luke Skywalker had to let go of the Jedi Order in order to try to make things right for his bloodline. But he doesn't really care – seem to care too much about his bloodline because Luke's uh, uh, Kylo uh, Ren or Ben Solo or whatever is out there. Mm-hmm. And he's okay with him – having completely gone to the dark side. He's okay with not having any communication with his sister. He's okay with not having any communication with, with, with Han Solo. It just seems to me that Luke Skywalker was from a, just from a, just from a film writing 101 perspective, the character exposition of Luke Skywalker from episode four till now, it seems like two different guys. Yeah, and I think that was absolutely by design. And again, why I liked Luke's journey in The Last Jedi is that, again, he's standing over his nephew and the past is about to repeat itself. And you could argue he's the reason for that. Right, but that's conjecture. Like, he doesn't know that that's going to really happen. Right. Like, we like, don't know. He, we does... as the audience know that, right? But if you look at it through the guise of, and now I, and believe me, I've thought about this a lot because when I saw The Last Jedi, I couldn't sleep at night. Right. I couldn't sleep. Right. I was like, well, my Luke is completely different than what I thought. Everybody was expecting Luke yeah. to just show up and be an older different. version of Return of the Jedi Luke. Powerful, centered, awesome, <laughs> you know, good to the bone. And what Ryan Johnson did was, no, he's alone on an island and he has given up. Now, I almost think that he gave up everything because – him being a Jedi and him being a Jedi master, and he even said it in the movie, is causing the universe to go in this tailspin again, right? Yeah. And so he basically gives up. He throws the lightsaber away. He hides out on an island and he drinks milk from alien boobs, right? 
Right. So, you, so you're basically saying, and I look, this is a very, to me, this is a bad word, but you're basically saying that he's kind of committed suicide in a way. You know, he gave up. I, I, and suicide, maybe. He, but he gave up without without you really understanding why he gave up. And this is my big problem. It's like it's okay to have a character. Uh, what is that they call it in screenwriting? It's the um, uh, uh, antagonist. No, no, no. It's like when I, it's, it, it's like pivot points in a character's arc when they change. Um, but 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 in any way, it's you know sometimes it's called the inciting moment or right right or an inciting incident at the beginning and then like a turning point a midpoint the turning point the right. turning point for the character right right Luke Skywalker turning point is the term I was looking for so so Luke Skywalker must have had a turning point mm-hmm. that made him want to disappear and not give a shit about the Jedi anymore right okay uh, swear jar yeah <laughs> Christian yelled at us for swearing yeah he yelled at us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know. <laughs> but but there was something that happened that made him want to give up. Right. Made him want to say, "I failed. It's over. Game over. I'm hiding out. It's mm-hmm. done." Right? Yeah. It dies with me. He right? wants the Jedi to end. Right. So you're led to believe by the little exposition that you get in the Last Jedi that it's because Kylo went bad. He couldn't stop it. He tried to kill him. And instead, Kylo was so powerful that he overthrew everything. Somehow managed to force Skype in the rest of the Knights of Ren. They blew up the entire temple, and everybody else that was there presumably dies, right? So right. he must have been really, really powerful at that point. It's no more see you around, kid. Yeah. It was like— Well, another know, Jedi purge happened that we didn't see. And, and it happened how? Like he, We don't he, know. He goes from, like, a sleeping bed to, like, dressed up as Kylo Ren with the rest of the Knights. And That's, we, I we would have love no to... idea. Like, <clears> the most interesting parts— of this story they're refusing to tell us because a they have no idea how it happened b they didn't earn it like i i okay so yeah you're right and i think this is this goes to another theme of mine in in discussing this and that's jj abrams coming back Mm -hmm. and can he essentially put the saga and finish the saga on the right track yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure on him for that. It, there's a lot of pressure. I don't know if he can stick the landing. This is unbelievable pressure to come in. But I also don't. No offense to JJ, but I don't have a lot of sympathy for him because he's the one that introduced the idea of the Knights of Ren. He's the one that introduced the fact that Ben Solo took out the last the all the Jedi. He's the one that introduced Snoke, and he's the one that introduced Ray. And Captain all, all I thought were cool story points. All cool story points. Yeah. And then to Lucasfilm's detriment, they then hired a director and said – and gave him free reign and do your thing. What a mistake. And to you, for me, I thought it was fascinating what he did. Right. But that's a certain point of view. It's OK. In a vacuum, in a vacuum, I can see the merit. Yeah. I can see the merit too. It, what's interesting about the Last Jedi is that it was it, it was it was interesting for me because it was so different. It really felt like it was taking chances as a movie, and then when you put it in the in the with the clothes of a Jedi, a Star Wars movie, it it blew my mind. But that's another point. Yeah. Back to JJ and your points. We have the Knights of Ren's uh, Ren's the Knights mm-hmm. of Ren introduced and. By 
you know, they're not even in Force Awakens. Right. They're not even mentioned. They're not. They're they're mentioned once. I don't even know. Are they mentioned in Force Awakens? No, no. In in, uh, in Last Jedi, Jedi, I believe it's mentioned once by Snoke at the right. beginning. I'd have to go back and look, but that he doesn't mention. It's not really fleshed out in Force Awakens. Now, if JJ introduced all of this stuff, wouldn't you have an idea of where it's going to go next? And the the narrative going now is we don't have like that Lucasfilm just let the, their directors do whatever, and now we're we're in a corner. Right. We painted ourselves right. in a corner, which is why they they fired. Uh, Trevorrow or whatever his name is. Right. Trevorrow's off. Trevorrow's off, and they brought J.J. back. And they brought J.J. back. So look, I, I, first of all, I like Colin Trevorrow um, as a director. I, I do too. I, I, I really enjoyed the, the new Jurassic World that he did. Um, I actually think, and, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast, but or two podcasts ago, but I think Han Solo and like the closest thing I've seen to Han Solo and Leia is Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Or that hmm. interesting yeah. in in Jurassic World. Yeah, like yeah. like like their interactions to me feels like Han and Leia. Yeah, like like it's based on that. You know, yeah. it's like the uh, you know it has all those hallmarks. But anyway, here you have Episode Nine. Hopefully, JJ realizes that he needs to get the ship back on track. Yes, that he did create some open threads in the narrative that he has a responsibility to close out. That hopefully that quote, which I love that quote is that he acknowledges that this is the Skywalker saga. Yep. Because read that again. Read that again. Okay. says, We desperately love Carrie Fisher. Finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga without her eluded us. Right. We were never going to recast or use a CG character. With the support and blessing from her daughter, we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as Leia in Episode Nine by using unseen footage we shot together. For yeah. Episode so – a satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker, Skywalker saga. saga. That, to me, is the most important part of that quote, and that gives me hope that J.J. Abrams understands that Episode Seven had all this nostalgia stuff built into it mm-hmm. because they needed to begin to make things right, quote-unquote. Right, to go off – because we heard that there was a mandate by Lucasfilm, no prequels. Right. Make it look right. like – the original trilogy. Look, this is why Lucas left, right? Because Lucas was involved with Episode right. Seven right. until he realized that they wanted to go. Or if, I should say it was Disney's mandate. Yeah, it was Disney's mandate. You can go look at this online. There's a great interview between George Lucas and um, the dude from uh, from PBS. I always forget his name. Oh yeah, I know what you're. I know uh, what you're saying. Uh, Lucas. Um, this is the infamous. Um, yeah. He he basically says uh, the guy from PBS who does all those roundtables. Uh, mm-hmm. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. Yeah. American American Masters. Yeah. There so American is. Masters, George Lucas, Charlie Rose. I highly, 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 highly recommend yeah. that our listeners go check that out because a lot of – like I think a lot of the nuggets – because he did that interview right after the – like I think right after the movie came out. Mm-hmm. I think it was like right around when the movie was coming out, he did that interview and uh, The Force Awakens, that is. And uh, he gives a pretty candid retelling of, of events. One of those events is Disney telling him, we want to take this movie more into the world of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And Lucas is like, no, that's not what I want. And then Lucas was like, you know what? You own it. It's time for me to just step away. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped working on Seven. And we all know what happened. Kathleen Kennedy never replaces the creative lead, gives all the power to the director, assumes that the director has the vision, which is a very wrong assumption, right? Like, that's why you have executive producers to yep. keep the ships in line. Yeah. 
and you especially know, with Star Star Wars, right? I mean, if, if that's, that was Marvel, they would have failed. Yeah, and look, and J.J. Abrams is a very smart dude, so I believe that he understands the challenges that are in front of him. It's and it's it's really hard for me, but I mean, I guess it, it, if you look at the two movies. A lot of people are saying, let's see what Episode Nine does because maybe Episode Eight will really make a lot more sense. It's hard to tell. It for me, it's it seems baffling that they wouldn't have this. It like won't. it won't. The, the, it here's won't. Ryan Johnson's script, and this is what I think will happen in Episode Nine. Yeah. Like it, it's hard for me to believe that JJ and Ryan and Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan and whoever have been writing these yeah. things didn't have some plan. Yeah, it won't. It won't. Um, Episode 9, in my opinion, will make Episode 7 make more sense. Sure. I don't think Episode 9 is going to make Episode 8 make any more sense. Like, you're, you're, you're never going to properly explain why you spend an hour watching this, like, slow space uh, chase. Like, you're never <laughs> going to explain that. You're never going to explain why Poe Dameron's stupid decisions ended the lives of hundreds of people and compromise the security of the entire fleet. Right. And why Leia at the end says, well, follow him. He seems to have all the right answers. Well, like, he, he learned the hard way. Again, I, I, I liked his – and I didn't really think too hard on his arc. But I, but I hear what you're saying because every, – Every choice he made was a bad one. Yeah. Every single choice he made was a bad one. Right. Well, he wanted to take out the dreadnought at the beginning, let the bombers come in. What happens? He loses tons of people. <laughs> he loses all all the bombers. Are then coming. then it's like we're gonna sneak out, go to Candlebite, get this. Get <laughs> useless, useless. What happened? <laughs> Benicio del Toro comes in, uh, betrays them. They right. lose a hundred right. people. And Maz Kanata introduced them to to like Benicio del Toro. Oh no, it wasn't Benicio. No, no, they found them. It, it, uh, it was the guy who was at the craps table. Was the one Justin that Maz, Thoreau. again another useless plot thing. I know, like, poor Justin Thoreau. Maz Kanata, go find Justin Thoreau. He turns out that you see him for like, like I don't know, two seconds. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know you don't see him. I know. Cano bite. I I'm with. Most everybody. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the worst parts of the movie. I, I saw what he was trying to do with it. But <clears throat> inevitably, I mean, I don't know why the, the slicer wasn't Lando. You know what I mean? Or right. like we, we need somebody to get help. That That's my geeky canon. Yeah, yeah. But first of all, I like that much more because at least it's like when you – like when you tell a story, again, going back to the sort of screenwriting uh, uh, lessons, mm -hmm. when you open up a thread – Right, you have to close the thread. Right, like that's how it works. Well, that's what we're talking about now is closing the thread. Right, and I look, I I, I do think that J.J. Abrams is talented enough to help close the thread. Let me ask you a question because I don't know this. Um, who's writing Episode Nine? Chris Terrio and J.J. Who's Terrio? Terrio did Argo and Justice League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Terrio. <laughs> Pause <laughs> for effect. Here, let's go to his let's go to his IMDb page. Oh God, Chris. <laughs> oh, what is going on? Uh, here? Batman v Superman. Okay, Justice I didn't League. Hate that. I didn't hate Batman. Argo, v. good. Oh my God, yeah. I I I, I really like Batman v Superman a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's another podcast. Uh, yeah. So Batman v Superman, uh, Argo. And uh, Justice League. Oh God, Justice League. Oh. Justice League was was horrifying. I, you know, I, I again, it's really hard. You know this. I know this. Screenwriters know this. 
that's not all his fault. And I'll tell you why, because halfway through ja- Justice League, they fired Zack Snyder. Right. And they re- and they brought in Joss Whedon. And what was the news we, we reported on? Joss Whedon has come in to write, rewrite right. some things, right. and shoot those rewrites. Yeah. And that's what he did. So Chris Terrio is getting a bad rap right. because he's on the movie. But here, here's – okay. I'm going to kind of switch gears and throw a curveball at you. Yeah. J.J. Abrams announces that Mark Hamill is coming back as Luke Skywalker. Yep. We did not get a year and a half of speculation on whether or not Luke Skywalker yeah. as a Force ghost is in that mystery box of J.J. That is completely un-J.J.-like in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. We got an announcement that Le- – not only Leia. I think Leia saying it right off the bat, I think Christian said it in the news we did, is perfect – yeah. Thank you for doing it. And, and everybody knew that because she was alive at the end of the episode. She's, right. And how do you – aside from starting episode nine with you know, yeah, General like, Leia's death. Like, 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 like season three of The Sopranos, right? With right. Like Carmela, right? Like you can't you – can't, yeah. I mean so, you could do that, but it, 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 yeah. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The fact that J.J. decided to – the fact that JJ decided to, and, I, and it's maybe not JJ, it's you know, community decided whether it's Kathleen Kennedy or JJ. Here's my two cents on it: mm-hmm. is that Kathleen Kennedy and or the Lucasfilm people are like, no, we're announcing Mark Hamill is coming back. I don't want these fans yelling at us. Right, right. right. Because yeah. I think when you announce that he's coming back, yeah, a lot of the fans just go, okay, well, we're still getting Luke. Yeah, it just so, is just a little bit of thing where a Star Wars nerds go. Of course, he's coming back. He's so, Force Ghost. So let me take you back. I don't know if you were with us. Did you come with us to celebration? No, I wasn't able to go. Okay. Yeah. So I held down the fort here. So back back at celebration a year and a half ago, whenever it was, it was like a few Aprils ago, mm-hmm. I think. Um, there was um, the 40th anniversary panel or the Last Jedi panel. I can't forget which of the two panels it was. But Mark Hamill was up there with Kathleen Kennedy, and, and um, I believe uh, Lucas was on stage as well. That's and, right. Uh, and, um, and they were doing, like, the legends, right, of uh, – Yeah, and, like, somehow uh, – um, and, like, you guys should go and check out the, um, the, uh, the live cast of that. It's is still up on, on, on YouTube somewhere. Mm-hmm. But there's a scene where they're trying to – um, somebody asked a question. Hey, Luke, you like you were only in episode. Uh, oh, because like Mark Hamill's telling this great story about how um, you know uh, the first time that he read. This is actually a great. You guys should go check out this video. But I'm gonna yeah. tell it really quick. So Mark Hamill gets the script for Force Awakens. Yeah, and uh, he says, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he opens up the script and he sees the the opening crawl, like Luke Skywalker is missing. And he was yeah. like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is awesome. Reads a few pages and he's like, oh, okay, uh, Han Solo just showed up. I'm I'm going to be in the next page. So he goes to the next page. He's not there. Yeah. He keeps going to the next thing. The next major plot thing happens. Oh, I'm going to be in the next one for sure. He keeps going. He's not there. He, he does this way all the way to the last scene where he thinks he's convinced because he's already at the end of the script. That when the lightsaber flies, right, it's going to be Luke. It's going to be Luke. I thought so too. Grabbing it, right. This is what he's saying to the entire crowd, and it wasn't him. And then all he gets is at the very end him holding the lightsaber, and he was like, "Really, you're paying me all this money to hold the lightsaber?" So then somebody was asking, "Is that going to be the same thing in Episode Eight?" And then he was like, "Well," uh, and he was being very hesitant about giving an answer. 
And Kathleen Kennedy, you can see this all in the video, jumps in and says, I'm here to tell you right now that Mark Hamill is a huge part of episode eight and all this stuff, and everybody starts clapping, right? Well, of course he was. But, and he uh, was a huge part. He was a huge part even though he was like – He I wasn't think, the part that people thought. He wasn't the part that – not only that people thought yeah, – yes, people – yes. He wasn't the part that people thought. He wasn't the part that Mark Hamill thought. Right. Okay. No, I know. And he Mark, wasn't, he's the custodian of this part. He's he the, wasn't the part that people wanted either. Now, right. People wanted their childhood I'll agree, hero. I'll agree with that. And that's be, where I'm okay being challenged with my childhood hero and making me think. I'm still thinking about it. That's what movies yeah. do Let for me. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Okay. What, what do you – for you personally, there's no right or wrong answer here. Sure. For you personally, what did Luke Skywalker's – character bestow upon you in terms of like lessons or, or, or things that you can hold on to that can affect your own life, right? Because this is what great myths do, right? is that they teach us, it's like parables, right? Like when Jesus Christ was preaching the gospel, he didn't say, be nice, be good, be helpful, be this. He did say those things to a certain degree. Sure. But he said them through parables, right? Through storytelling, like through the story of Luke Skywalker, what do you, what did you take away from Luke Skywalker's character? There's with Luke, I've thought about this for years. Luke always affected me because he was he just was good incarnate for when we first met him. He was looking to the stars for adventure. That reminds me of when I was growing up in a, you know, a, a boring Orange County town and me looking out to LA going there's more excitement out there. Yeah. I want I want to be in the thick of that. So looking out and then doing good and turning away from evil. Mm. I mean that's just inherent in Luke Skywalker all the way to the end too in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. Him and we talked about it last show. He, he, was, he was unflappable. He was unflappable. Right? Yes. What is he in, in – Flappable. And I love that and because it's real, because it's absolutely truth is that – even though even Luke Skywalker Fine. can have a bad day. Fine. But this isn't a bad day because a bad day is like you – know, Well, yeah. He, something that – He obviously like, had a bad weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you can see his hangover. So, OK. So <laughs> fine. Let's say he does become flappable. I mean yeah, he becomes and he flappable did. in other uh, – you know, he I know people don't like Dark Empire. We, you know, we heard that in the comments, but we like Dark Empire. They didn't. Who didn't like Dark Empire? I don't know. Some of the commenters didn't like Dark Empire. You guys are all – no, 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 <laughs> right. no. I'm not going to buy that. Go, go read Dark Empire and get back to me. <laughs> in Dark Empire, he becomes flappable. But there's a reason for right, it. Right. He falls to the dark side there's in Dark Empire. There's a reason for it. Like you see the choices and the consequences. He wanted to – it was a fascinating run there. He wanted to go – and he's, if I'm going to learn why my father turned to the dark side, I better turn to the dark side and try to s help save the right. the rebellion here. Right. That so, that was him being a little selfish. You don't Self selfless, I should say. You don't get why he became so flappable in the Last Jedi for me. Like you don't understand it. And I get it. See, for me, and and that's not to say like you didn't get it. It's over your head. No, I for 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 reasons that took me a while. Absolutely, is that. I was able to – with him watching Kylo Ren fall to the dark side. Which we don't see for the record. We don't, but we, we didn't see it with, with Darth Vader. You know, no, We got the movies for that. Right, but, but with Darth Vader, we get a very clear-cut story from Obi-Wan that tells him the course of and events. And I get it. We didn't really get other than 
he's Darth Vader's grandson, and, and he fell to the and dark Snoke, side. And it's Snoke's fault. And it's Snoke's fault, right. But that's it. Like, you don't get anything else. You don't. And this, the guy who risked his own lightsaber, the guy who risked his friends, the guy who risked everything to bring his father back from the dark side mm-hmm. would not so easily give up on his nephew. Like, See, unless I, there was something that happened that changed the way that he looked at the world, which you need to explain. And I think that we haven't – and I agree with you. We haven't gotten everything. We haven't mm-hmm. gotten more of that. So do you think we're seeing flashbacks in episode nine? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen flashbacks and now two of the sequel trilogy movies. And, and that, there's ladies only and gentlemen, two. is what the rule of two is all about is Woo-hoo. these realizations because that's what you think. It's not just Force Ghost. No. You think I, it's Force Ghost and Carnal. Carnal, body, he's flashback. flashback. Yeah. Because I would like why? that. I would like that. We've gotten the precedent. It's set. Now, we w- there was a rumor we were going to get flashbacks in episode seven. Like, How is that going to happen? Well, guess what? It was a flashback for sure, but it was a force flash. The force was right. our flashback. Right, right. And I love that. And well, then – Probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Then without so much as being connected to like what like – You're talking about the vision that Ray has, right? Visions that Ray had. Okay. Not only do we see flashbacks, right? We see Luke putting his hand on R2 after the Jedi Temple is burned to the ground by the Knights of Ren, right? Yep. We see that again from the opposite side or at least a different camera angle yep. in Episode Eight. Yep. But what did Episode Eight do? Episode Eight didn't have Ray grab onto a lightsaber and then hear the and then see the the Bespin hallway and hear Darth Vader and Yoda going and whatever. Right. He went right into it. And this is Ryan Johnson. And that aside, just let's just talk about the mechanics of the flashback. It went right into it, and we saw him. Over Kylo Ren, we saw him, you know, popping out of the rubble. We saw him with R two and falling to his knees and seeing the Jedi Temple burn. I think absolutely we were going to get more Luke Skywalker and what happened. And if they don't, and that's how you bring Snoke back too. That's when you bring Snoke back. But I think there's more. To well, Snoke here's too. here's the thing: is is um, is my dude in the cast list? Hmm. Um, um, McDarman? No, Smeagol. Oh, Andy Serkis. Yeah. No, he's not. I don't know why I said McDarmon. That's he's not the Emperor. He's he's not Snoke. No, no, no. I know, I know. But but he is. The that was a that's a nice little Freudian <laughs> slip for me. Right, right. Um, no, Andy Serkis is not in the cast list, which and is a bit of a shame because I would like to understand the conflict that. Now I know I said that JJ kind of went against his mystery box ways by putting Mark Hamill. I can totally see not putting Andy Serkis in, wanting to hide that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Because, you, you know, we're, we're, and I, I think because J.J. is coming back is that he not only can he stick the landing and make another great Star Wars movie because personally I love his Force Awakens. It's one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. Mm. He get, For me, he gets it. I loved his mystery box stuff, but I can also go – I think you – kind of started this thing. Yeah. The internet culture itself was reliant on these mystery box things to have a culture online. Yeah. What are you going to do? Go in there. I know everything about Star Wars. Nothing to talk about online. Right. right? But if you're like, well, I don't know who Snoke is. <gasps> well, he's obviously Boba Fett from the Sarlacc pit, you know, right, and right, right. tweet 
You know, I think that I think that that's he started that thing. So by him not making us go through the hoops again for Mark Hamill or Luke Skywalker, that's a great thing. But I can totally see either Snoke somehow being connected and getting more of the story. And J.J. is the one that's going to do it. Yeah, and I look, people always use the word fan service as like almost like a negative thing. And, it, sure. and I think at times it is. but can be, yeah. Because you can't let the tail wag the dog, right? And mm-hmm. like that's something that I deal with on a daily basis. And it's, it's, it, and it's a very real thing, yeah. how to balance out your audience uh, tone or your audience climate right. with what you want to do creatively, right? It, it, there, is, there is considerations there. But I do honestly believe that uh, episode nine is going to be the the ultimate fan service. And it's going to be the ultimate fan service, not just for the whiny, older crowd that are the original trilogy um, the, the very vocal. Yeah, they're, they're, there's like the, there's like, and, and Jeremy Johns is actually the one that, that said this, and I, I think it was very, very astute. There's three Star Wars factions. Okay. Okay. And typically... These factions like two at most, but never all three. Like Star Wars fans will like the original trilogy and the prequels and dislike the sequels. Or they'll like the sequels and the original trilogy but despise the prequels. Or some people even – I've met young people that love the prequels and the sequels and think that the original trilogy is crap. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's very hard to find that that fan – that truly is holistic about all of it. You know, it's like I've heard some complaints like, oh, you know, it needs to be a celebration of Star Wars. A lot of people say it needs to be a celebration of Star Wars or the people are saying it needs to be a celebration of the sequels because those are the same people that are saying that the prequels are are to be forgotten, you know? Yeah. Like if you like if you really want to be a like a um you know what you know what I like in it too and I think I don't know if I've said this before on the air but I'm a huge, huge Miami Dolphins fan. Right. right? That's my favorite football team. Yeah. I bleed Miami Dolphins. That's my team. But they've been terrible for many, 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 many years. Decades, man. Yeah. It's been bad. Okay? So I'm I'm okay to critique my team and be angry at the roster moves and not like the coach and not like the running back and not like the defensive tackle and like be angry that they went for it on fourth and goal when they should have punted or right. whatever. You can critique the choices. But ultimately, every Sunday at 1 p.m., you're going to be there watching the game. Because that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Because you're a fan. You know? And for me with Star that's Wars – That's what I'll this, be. Yeah. For me with Star Wars, it's the same exact thing. Did I like The Force Awakens? I thought it was all right. I was there opening night. Did I like The Last Jedi? No, I didn't like The Last Jedi. I thought The Last Jedi was rather offensive at times. But you were there opening night. I was there opening night. Yeah. Did I love Han Solo? No, I thought Han Solo might have even been worse than The Last Jedi, but I was there opening night. Like, right. I- I'm there. A new video game comes out, I buy it. A com- comic book comes out, I read it. It's just like... I think the the issue that we deal with a lot, though, is that you can say that, and there are people that snap judgment you and say you're not a true Star Wars fan then. And I would... I would challenge them to say, did you hear the reasoning and what is happening? Right, because that's, that's where the subjectivity comes in. I right. don't like that move. Right. You know, it doesn't – I didn't like the execution of most of the prequels. Yeah, a lot of people – But don't. I like the prequels. Right. And I do now, and I was a lot younger back then. When I first saw Phantom Menace and started to bash on it, you know, I was younger. 
I was I was li- over the years. I've been able to kind of hone my not only my taste in movies, but also my career and my, also my training and all, like you know, yeah. I took more writing classes. I I, I produced a movie. I did right, right, right. You've certain, grown. I've grown as a as a I guess a filmmaker as an artist. And so when you look back on those things, you go, hmm. Yeah, I see what's going let, on there. Let me go back to one thing that Lucas yeah. said at the um, a celebration. George Lucas said, "As many of you people don't want to admit this, mm-hmm. I made this movie for twelve year olds." Mm-hmm. Okay, so the original trilogy and the sequels, we know the target demographic very specifically is twelve years old, and that's a very very important age. Okay, because what happens when you become thirteen? In, in, in the culture that George Lucas grew up in. So being 12 years old is very, very specific for one major reason, is that in, in most cultures, in, 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 in a lot of the Western cultures, 12 to 13 is where you have your bar mitzvah, it's where you have your communion, it's where you cease to become uh, you know, a kid and become a teenager. Right. right? So it's this rite of passage and you know, to have these rites of passage, you need these very important lessons. And what's the most important lesson that a human can have? This goes all the way back to the Bible, is being able to differentiate between good and evil. Yeah. Right? Like like that that's supposedly that is the most important lesson that a human can learn is what's right and what's wrong, and having a value system to choose between right and wrong, right? right. That's what Star Wars was about, right? Is this young kid growing into a man and having to make those tough choices for the first time. Right. right. And, um, you know, do you, do you, but this is where my question is. Episodes uh, one through six are all made for 12 years old. Yeah. For, for 12 year old audience by the words of its creator. Right. Now, do you think that episodes seven and eight and nine are also made for 12 year olds? Or do you think that they're actually trying to go for an older, more disposable income audience that is the audience that watched the like the first one trying to make it a little bit more mature. I don't get the impression, and this actually might be directly connected as to why there is so much um, you know downtrend when it comes to the merchandising. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't know if these new movies are being tailored towards that coming of age audience as much as the first six were. Yeah, I don't know if I could argue that they are made directly for a twelve-year-old. I know what I see with my own eyes, and that's, you know, I see little girls losing their mind for Ray. I see little boys losing their mind for Finn and Poe and and just the lightsabers. But I would say, I mean, it's an interesting point. I would say that The Force Awakens was made for the adults. There was the fans. Me too. Me too. It it wasn't in that. It was made for the fans. But you're able to. But. The thing is, you're able to say it's for kids too because there's funny aliens, there's laser swords, there's guns, there's guys in you know in black with a mask. That obviously means they're evil. So you're gonna Star Wars is inherently now will always be made for 12 years old because of the aesthetics, because of the way it looks. Mm. Even though I would argue the Force Awakens was made directly for the fans and the nostalgia. Me too. The which is one of my biggest problems with it. I, a lot of people had those problems, and I, I don't see – I see the nostalgia. Okay, let me just say that. I do see the nostalgia. The story got me, though. That Moreover, the characters got me. I could see the yeah. echoes I of Kylo the trilogy. Was really I thought Kylo, oh, was Kylo really Ren strong. is the best thing yeah. in this trilogy for Finn me. Finn was really strong. Finn, I love Rey. 
in Force Awakens. I didn't think she had a, lo- a lot to do in Last Jedi. Yeah. I'll say it. She di- she did not resonate with me as much as she did in Force Awakens, and I don't buy the Mary Sue argument at all. Me, look, I I, I can't not when you have, and by definition, and to go to your point, if you put it on mute, and you watch Ray in the first few fifteen minutes. That tells you everything you need to know about Ray. Mm. And this Mary Sue argument that, oh, all of a sudden she can fly a plane or, or fly a ship. She's a scavenger in ships. Right. She's grabbing devices from a Star Destroyer that she knows are going to go on the market and be worth yeah, yeah. three-quarter portions. She knows how to fly a ship. Yeah. She knows how to fight. You see it. She knows you, how to fight. She, you see all of it. You don't even need dialogue for it. So this yeah, Mary yeah, yeah. Stu argue, Mary Sue yeah, argument. I'm not a big fan of the Mary Sue argument anyway. No, no, be, no. It's it, for me. To me, to be honest, it's it's just a way to tear her down. Yeah, yeah. Just, Look, it's it's stupid. I think, I think Ray's a really interesting character. I, I thought do too. I thought that in episode eight, what, what I think a lot of other people thought is that she was going bad and Kylo was going good. And then you know, episode nine was going to be about the resolution of that. You know, like I'm wondering what it's going to be. I really am. Um, and like for a second there, you have, you have a moment where you think that that might happen in episode eight, and you're like, "Holy shit! Here come you know like you know yeah. here come the fireworks." Yeah. And then it doesn't, you know. And then, at the very end, again, I've said this like ad nauseum, but at the very end, um, you know, see you around, kid. All you needed to do was keep Luke alive. Well, we know he's alive. Well, we know he's going to be in the movie. He's going to be in the movie. But I agree. I it, like it, it. Took me a while to, you know reconcile what I saw because, yeah, I watched The Last Jedi and, and wanted that too. But then to think about I, – I touched on but, it with – yeah. But look. I love it. When you when you have something to say and you do that, I, I stop. <laughs> but, 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 but let's look at a consistent character um, arc, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that he does stay alive or, or dead. It doesn't matter. If you're consistent with the character arc – and this is like – this is just a little realization I just had. I bet you this is what's going to happen. Luke is going to haunt Kylo, like you've said in, in some other shows. And I bet that's where the flashbacks will come. But his intention has to be to bring Kylo back. Yeah, I or agree else with it, that. Or else it's not Star Wars. Yeah, and when I say haunt, that, that puts a, you know, like, ooh, you but, know, and, and screw with him. But episode eight showed a Kylo with no remorse, no feelings. Yeah. Like his only kind of moment of questioning it was when he didn't kill his mother but let the ships behind them mm-hmm. kill her. That that's the thing about Kylo that I love is that he is so complex. He is complex. He is, I, I he is I, complex. I, I agree with that. It, it it he he kills Han and you know has the remorse you yeah. think the most anticlimactic scene in the history of Hollywood in my opinion. But. What Han dying? Yeah, I mean like you saw that telegraph from like a mile away. Like, yeah, the minute <laughs> we were all there. Yeah, like like the like minute the minute, the, minute, the minute he walks out on a a cliff like a, a, <laughs> right. a, 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 a like this big wide walkout with no guardrails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Han, you're dead. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah. knew, it, but we knew it from Harrison Ford. Yeah, we knew, we knew it from we, Harrison Ford. But like, forget forget like what we know outside of the world of the movie. Like, yeah, I get. But I'm I, with you. Like, if it's not in the mo- like for me, I've always thought, and like I know I'm gonna get uh, uh, crap for this, but and for me, I'm more extreme about it. Like the movie is the canon. That's it. That's, yeah, that's the canon. No, that's mine too. You know, and then you have the comics and the TV shows and all that stuff gives meat to the bone. Yeah, and and gives you a good enjoyment, but but it should also give you a little bit of license. And it and sometimes it's hard though to to then, 
you know, I what was it? I was commenting on something with the Last Jedi, and I basically said, "Ooh, well, well, that could happen." And then, you know, Harloff, to to his point, he's right, but he goes, "Oh no, that was explained in the book," and I got frustrated. I was like, "But I got to read, like, you know, I don't need to read some book that's probably written, like, I mean, look, I don't want to start throwing bombs at like people's writing style, but like, if you're writing like Star Wars books, it's a gig. It's a gig." Okay, like, it's a machine. It's a gig. They're selling like, merchandise, and they know that Canon junkies like a lot of people are going to buy these books. Right, and like back back in the day when Lucas was running that that team, and the and the novelizations were very small. The the first one, uh, Splinter Reminds I, I believe, is based off of Lucas's idea for what episode two, or I'm sorry, episode Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was the sequel. Be. He didn't yeah. even know he had uh, Han Solo yeah. because um, Harrison Ford didn't sign on, so. No Han and Splinters in mine eye. Right. And with Timothy Zahn and Han Solo, I'm sorry, with Timothy Zahn and George Lucas, you get a lot of interaction back in those days mm-hmm. when they were doing that book, you know? So it was, according to Christian, and I don't know if this is true or not, but like there's not a ton of interaction with the story group and the novels and the movies. It, it doesn't like, seem that way. They're not really connected with each other. They don't really reference each other too much. The books are that are filled plot holes. And to like, you know, let somebody give them an out or an excuse, like, "Oh no, don't worry about who um, the woman with the purple hair is." Like, it's all explained in the book, right? You yeah, know, like, Holdo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, I, I, don't worry why Poe Dameron makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. They keep him around. That's explained in, in like the Star comic Wars, books. In the comic books, right? You know, it's like that. That is a dangerous precedent to set yeah. for storytellers or people that love storytelling. And yeah, not to add to you, like I'll add to the point where sometimes those books rise to the top because of good writers yeah. like Claudia Gray and the Lost sure. Stars. Yeah, yeah. Timothy Zahn's a great writer. Timothy I Zahn. Yeah. I just I it feels like a machine, and there's a lot of them out there, and it's hard for me to get excited when there's so many yeah. of them. And look, here's another great lesson that Star Wars can take from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Listen to that word. Or, or listen to that phrase, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Okay, that means that there is a universe that is cinematic that is in the world of Marvel. That's mm. all you get. Yeah. Like these – like there's comic books coming out all the time about right. these characters. Right. There's novels. There's graphic novels. There's all kinds of ancillary stuff that's happening. None of them deal with the movies. No. I mean unless they're the direct tie-in right. with some of the comics. but. They started their some, – somebody – actually, I was talking to somebody who was like, I'm not a Marvel fan. And I went, wow. And they, they're huge comic book fans. And they said, no, it just – the Marvel Cinematic Universe to me feels like it's television with a big budget. Right. And I said, well, that's the design. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I, some people love that. I love it. But everything you need to know about the, about the, the narrative unfolding of what's happening in the MCU – you only can go to the MCU to find answers. Right. You can only go to the other movies to find the answers. You're not going to comics and books and all this other stuff to fill in holes. No. Like you can go to the books and the comics and stuff to learn more about it, and the stories are similar, but they're never the same. That's why for the movies, at least for me, I just want episode nine to explain a lot about yeah. either the Knights of Ren, Rey and her position in the universe, Snoke. Are we going to get more on Luke and the in the Jedi Temple and what yeah. went wrong? I think that's why. Is John Williams coming back? Yes, John Williams is coming back. Thank God. God bless the man. Yeah. I think that is why J.J. 
you're our only hope. Yeah. He is there. He 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 sets something up with the Force Awakens, yeah. and through the power that is only known to be the living force, he is now back to finish what he started. Yeah, look, he really it, is. Look, and this podcast kind of ended where it began with questions. We don't it, have answers. We don't have answers. We had a long discussion on what we liked, what we didn't like, what maybe we would have done different, how it can rope around, and hopefully bring a conclusion that – I'm sorry, I'll say it. They can make yeah. a lot of the fans happy and that we could all just get along online and say, you know what, I didn't like it, but I have a feeling we yeah. know. What, what's our runtime? I want to talk about one other thing that you, you got. Have. About an hour and 15 minutes in right now. Okay, but we're, gonna, we're going long because you know what? We can. Okay, fine. So look, something that Riley and I want to do is that we're going to launch oh, a yeah. brand new little game mm-hmm. here. It's called the Golden Lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's an award that Riley and I are going to heavily debate and mm-hmm. discuss. But basically what we're going to do is that we're going to come up with a bunch of, of, of categories, right? Right. Best screenplay, best special effects, best song, best music, best actor, best supporting actor, best actress, best supporting actor. Basically best... our Oscars yeah, it's for basically, Star Wars. It's basically our Oscars for Star Wars. There's yep. going to be four nominations in each category. Right. We're going to debate at some point in the show the mm-hmm. – the category, and then we're going to both debate who should be the four nominees. Right. And uh, once we get to a list of four nominees, we're going to let you guys, the audience, because the only reason we even talk Star Wars like this is we talk Star Wars like this when we walk out the door. You basically just – with this conversation we just had (laughs) comes in piecemeal over a week when we're – maybe I go into your office for a little bit. We have a little side conversation and then I come back or vice versa. So – but now we want you, the fans, the listeners, um, the people that are the fuel for the reason why we've been doing this show in the first place to actually vote. Yes. So we're going to create the categories. We're going to create the nominations. Yep. But then you will vote for who the winner is, and then we announce the winner in the next one, and we'll keep going week to week until we get to the one, the only, the, the best picture. The best picture. Which and... we probably all know which one is going to win. Right, The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it's we'll probably going to be Empire, but – It's probably going to be Empire, but we'll, that will be interesting to put it out there, and put the nomination, yeah, yeah. to see how high it – now it depends on the audience. It depends on who's listening because – you know. Yeah. But we'll see. But that that is exactly true. That's a great tease. You guys stay tuned for that. Why don't you set that hashtag up, Golden Lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> Start tagging me at Riley Around. Start tagging Mark at MarkFernandez76. And start talking about it. Give us some ideas. Like yeah. who would you nominate for best actor in the saga? Yeah. Who would you – is this all Star Wars movies? This is every Solo, single Solo, Rogue one. one. Yeah, every okay. single Star Wars movie. There we go. Who would you nominate? <clears throat> Excuse me. Who would be the best writer? There's a lot of writers out there too yeah. that did different best screenplays. Director. Best director. We got different directors out there, not just George Lucas. Best actor, best actress, supporting, supporting, yeah. special effects. And of course, best music. Well, John Williams would win every award there but, is. We should come movie? up with best themes. Best themes. That's a really good Instead one. of like best, yeah, yeah. you know, best score, it should be like Okay, Hans, uh, Han and Leia's theme is right. going up against the binary sunset. Uh, right, Yoda's right. theme is Duel going up the against Fates Duel of be... the Fates. That's a big one. That's a huge one. It's one of my favorite yeah, all time. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Ray's theme is actually very beautiful oh, too. Ray's theme has become one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. It just 
starts to play, and it's just oh. So you guys can get a little taste of how fun a conversation this is going to be. Yeah. It's going to be really – really it's just a Trojan horse or a shoehorn for us to talk more Star Wars in depth about specific topics. Yeah. Uh, but since there won't be topical news, if we say, hey, what's the best actor, then we can really get really, really, really sweaty. Shout out John Schnepp. Yep. And talk about performances from Harrison Ford to yep. – you know, Ewan Alec McGregor, Guinness. Alec Guinness, and, yeah. you know, and so on and so forth. So. That That's exactly right, and that's what we're trying to do here. We could have deep, off-the-cusp conversations, which was basically today, Yeah, but we also want to celebrate and have fun, which is the Golden Lightsabers. Yeah, the Golden Lightsabers, and get you guys involved in it. Right? Yes. Like, get you voting. You know? So We won't give out an award until we get at least a minimum of 1,000 votes. We don't know exactly how we're going to do the voting yet. We might do it on Twitter. We might do it on a third-party site. Right. We're still not 100% sure how we're going to do it, but hashtag golden lightsabers, hashtag rule of two, mm-hmm. and let's get it popping for next week. That sounds perfect. I couldn't put it better myself, so that'll do it for the two of us here. Mark Fernandez, thank you as always for joining me. And you guys, thanks for tuning in and listening. Stay tuned for golden lightsabers. Use that hashtag, follow Collider on uh, Collider Video on Twitter. We'll put something out there. Follow me at Riley Around on Twitter. I'll put something out. Of course, Mark Fernandez at Mark Fernandez seventy six, and subscribe and share this. Drop in some comments. Do you think J.J. Abrams is going to not save, but maybe unite? Yeah. Maybe put maybe it back on track. Put it back on track, and at the very least, finish out the saga on a high note. What do you think of that? Drop in some comments wherever you're seeing this. Hit us up on Twitter. You can do that as well. And, of course, get excited for the Golden Lightsabers. And make sure you subscribe to Collider Video and also Jedi Council here on the Podcast One feed. Subscribe there. That's where you'll get Rule of Two. For Mark Fernandez, for Mark Riley, see you next time. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.